0: Hey what's up everybody this is Charles Sabansi from The Dreamers Pro Show and we want to welcome you guys to The Dreamers Pro Podcast where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now let's get started with the first topic of today's show. So as you guys know uh, Zion Williamson is one of the young phenoms in the NBA. He's one of these guys that came into the NBA. And just pretty much lighted up the NBA. But the only issue with Zion is his lack of availability uh, or his health, um, and a lot of that has been centered on his weight. A lot of people have speculated that the reason it's difficult for Zion to remain healthy is because of his weight. And also, um, I know that they worked on Zion Williamson's running mechanics, right? So yeah, Zion was it was a very raw talent. Although whenever he did play, he seemed absolutely unstoppable, and he was. He was an absolute force, standing at six foot six, which makes him extremely extremely unique we got some unique guys in the nba you have zion now you have victor Wembanyama. uh you have Nikola Jokic. of course you have Giannis Antetokounmpo. uh you have stephen curry so the, the nba has a pretty interesting crop of talent there so uh, we know this now what else did we hear about zion unfortunately zion over the last two months made the news for all the wrong reasons he got himself entangled in an absolute cluster you know what um and it all and it had to do it, it was all by his own doing by just being messy sloppy um, being naive, and he ended up turning himself into a headline to the point where we started hearing reports that, uh, in fact, that the, what is it? The New Orleans Pelicans were looking for a way to deal him. Now, is that because of the recent drama they was in? Possibly, but it it could also be it could also be about the fact that Zion Williamson has simply not been available. Last time we heard him speak, he said that he was physically ready but not mentally in the place to be. So to see him embroiled in all of these different um, um stories it was surprising this is so okay so you don't have the mental capacity to go out there and play but you have the mental capacity to find yourself in this type of mess so a lot of people went off on Zion Williamson for basically just being naive and messing with the wrong uh people essentially so this morning uh actually no yesterday we were sent uh I was sent a story from um one of the people that work with us here about Zion but I didn't really spend much time thinking about it because I had other stuff, uh, shows that we were focused on. So this morning I was going through the internet and I came across an article on Fadeaway World. And essentially this article is centered on a report that Rick Bucher of uh, FS1 of Fox Sports put out there where basically Zion said that he has no interest in developing his game further. So let me just get into this article here. Zion has no interest in learning a floater and pull-up jumper, says NBA Insider. When he's on the court, it is clear that Zion is one of the best young talents in the NBA. He could become an MVP-level player for the New Orleans Pelicans one day and is an insanely effective interior scorer due to his athletic gifts. Though he is an effective scorer at the rim, many suggested that Zion Williamson needs to uh, diversify his game and add things such as a jump shot and floater to reduce the toll on his body. However, According to NBA Insider Rick Bucher, Zion Williamson is not interested in doing that. We, uh, we, where are the floaters? Up and under layups. His pull-up jumpers at the elbow. Now, from what I've been told, he's shown no interest in developing any of those tricks. Tricks that Blake Griffin learned along the way with a decent three-point shot when the injury started to pile up for him and allowed him to single-handedly drag the Detroit Pistons to a playoff uh birth and then the, continues on to say there's no doubt that zion wilson uh, becoming a better all-around offensive player could help him on many levels aside from potentially helping him with his durability, durability issues zion Williamson develop developing that part of his game will help him uh, once he inevitably gets to the playoffs so you heard what the article has to say here so the question is should zion williamson try to add more to his game well let me put it this way should an nba player add more to their repertoire i think we all can agree that the answer should be yes why because you're getting better you're getting better now some people say well there's no need for that because you can master a certain thing fantastic if you look at a player like for instance shaquille o'neal who was unstoppable Right, he was unstoppable on the court, but what was the one thing Shaq needed to work on? Was his weight. Right, so there's always some type of impediment. So if you have to work on your weight, and or you're not willing to work on your weight, you better have other things to help you, uh, get, uh, you know, get to the next level. You look at a player like Michael Jordan. Came into the NBA extremely um, talented, athletic slasher. But as he, you know, got towards the midpoint of his NBA career, he developed into one of the most lethal mid-range jump shooters in NBA history. Same thing with Kobe Bryant. As a matter of fact, if you look at Kobe 8th, pr- with, with the exception of 2003, 2004, Kobe, the earlier years of Kobe, although he had a decent jump shot, he was more of a slasher. And then to the point when he got to the second part of his career, he wasn't as aggressive going to the basket because he knew he could preserve his behavior. His, he didn't have to take all that contact by just being able to shoot jump shots because your jumper never goes away. Another player that you know their jumper can save them for the rest of their career is Kevin Durant. His jumper is never going to go away, so he's always going to be able uh, to get a basket. But in the case of Zion Williamson, what happens when the injuries start to pile up and your athleticism starts to slip? Then what happens? What happens then? So to hear that he has no interest in adding other things to his game is quite surprising. Number one, and number two, it says to me, okay, so if you're not willing to do that, what what are you willing to focus on? Because from my understanding, after following the NBA for God knows how long, I know that in the offseason, players seek to get better at at least one thing every offseason. You don't go into the offseason perfecting something or working on something you've already perfected. You go into offseason, you humble yourself and say, okay, what do I need to work on? And you work on that. Give you guys a perfect example of this. I remember Kobe Bryant, who was probably the most skilled basketball player to ever play basketball. Arguably the most skilled player, of course, you have um, Hakeem Olajuwon, you have MJ, but Kobe was just something incredible. But toward I think when Kobe turned 34 and they had Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, and these guys, and Kobe knew that he needed to run the offense more, Kobe then started to work on his ball handling skills. He was working on them with Phil Handy. Kobe Bryant, at 34 years old, a five-time champion, a hundred-time all-star, whatever you want to call it, said to himself, no, there's I can, I can get even better. I can get even better so he did all the great players get better over time so to hear that it was a bit um a bit alarming but hey maybe Zion knows what's best for him now if you're enjoying this show be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro official Instagram at Dreamers Pro and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show now let's continue to the next segment as you all are fully aware um Victor Wimanyama uh, just recently said that uh, they released a statement that he will no longer be playing any more games in summer league. Uh, what is it? The San Antonio Spurs that they weren't, they, they're not going to require him to play any more games. I think that's a good thing. I think he, um, he had two exhibition games. He showed people what he had. And I don't think him playing any, playing, playing any of those games is really going to matter. And number two, I think he'll be better spending that time uh, preparing and gearing up for the upcoming season. Now, Here's an interesting thing about Victor Wembanyama. Victor Wembanyama, if I'm not mistaken, is seven foot three inches tall. Seven foot three. Now, the thing about him is that Victor Wembanyama is a very, very, very uh, slim guy. At seven foot three, he weighs about 210 or 209 pounds. To, to put that number into context... Michael Jordan, who was six six at his playing weight, he played at about two hundred and fifteen to two hundred and twenty pounds. LeBron at six foot, I want to say LeBron is six foot nine. Now LeBron is a bit of a LeBron is a you know he's he's a pretty unique uh, case because he's he he has that height, but he's extremely athletic uh, and, and he's extremely fast, so he can move with a lot of weight. But LeBron James, as of last season weighs 250 pounds or 113 uh, kilograms at six foot nine so Victor Wembanyama, being seven foot three and essentially weighing 50 pounds or 40 pounds less than LeBron James is startling there are basically no two ways to say that and a lot of people like Stephen A Smith and others have urged him to put on some weight to be able to take the pounding uh what is it of the NBA game now Based on what I know from watching the NBA for quite some time, there's a few reasons why certain players put on weight and there's some reasons why they lose weight. One of the reasons why players put on weight, especially when they come into the NBA, is to be able to not get pushed around by heavier and stronger guys. So you put on more weight, you put on more muscle, uh, and that way you can be able to kind of like, you know, Be able to deal with the physicality of the game. That's the reason why you seen you saw like a Giannis Antetokounmpo, who came into the NBA, um, looking pretty much like Victor Wembanyama in terms of his skinny. Now Victor is a little bit skinnier than Giannis, but Giannis was extremely skinny, and Giannis had to put on a lot more weight with a lot, which allowed him to play with more physicality and and, and he became a stronger uh, guy. But then what also and also I know for for point guards, for example, back in the 2000s, which was a pretty physical era, guys would put on muscle, especially around their shoulders. Why? Because when they're going around screens, you know, going through, you know, going through contact, when they get hit on their shoulders, they'll be able to absorb uh, the hit. But and in the other cases, when you see guys getting older, the reason why they then take off, you know, try to lose weight. You see players like Tim Duncan did it. You saw players like Kobe Bryant did it. uh, Dirk Nowitzki. The reason they try to lose weight is because they try to reduce the amount of stress on their joints. So it's two different, you know, two, you know, different sets um, of, of philosophies there. But in the case of Victor Wimbenyama uh, was doing some research and I came across an article here from Fadeaway World.net that has some pretty, pretty startling uh, information from his uh, his agent, where essentially his agent was saying that. They're essentially fighting against Victor Wembanyama putting on any weight at all. So let me just quickly get into this article here. starts off with the headline, Victor Wembanyama's agent says they will fight to not put weight on his body. The hype surrounding Victor Wembanyama is unlike anything we've seen in a very long time. He has been hailed as a generational talent who could dominate the league for years to come. The one concern most have about him, though, is his skinny frame, and there have been calls for Wembanyama to bulk up. His agent, Bona uh, Ndiaye, hope I got his name right, however, made it clear that will not be happening. That will not be happening during an interview with Mark Spears and uh, Anscape. Did you see any issue here in Vegas? No, people are wrong, he said. We're not focused at all on, uh, on weights. I don't want to put weights on his body. We're going to try to fight to not put weight on his body. Weight on his body is a big mistake. We focus on strength and core. We are very pleased that he linked up with Jabbar, who played until 41 years old. That's the path we want to take. It then continues on. I am very glad they, they connected uh, because uh have a similar body type. He continues. Kareem was not heavy. Victor's more mobile, gaudier, and taller than Kareem. So... The difference in height is uh, is a challenge and something that we're working on every day. Making him heavy, we don't want to do that. Now, that is a bit of a surprise. That is a bit of a surprise. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is because usually, again, as I said, when guys come into the NBA and they're very scrawny, Uh, They want to put on size So to hear his agent say No, no, no We want to take a totally different approach And we want to focus on his strength Well, it's going to be quite interesting Because you can get strong But based on my knowledge of strength training You need to lift heavy things You need to lift heavy things So maybe um, They're going to find a way to get him to lift heavy weights Without putting on any muscle, which would mean that he would be skinny. He'll still be strong, but he won't have any size, which means that he probably won't be eating enough. Or he'll be working out so much that it'll be burning into his muscle. So he'll be a very strong, skinny guy. There's another thing about it as well, which is he could have a lot of natural strength. Uh, people that had a lot of natural strength, uh, historically, Stephen Adams, uh, they're not the bulkiest guys, but they had a lot of natural strength. You had... um Dennis Rodman, um, a lot of natural strength. You had Ron Artest, um, a lot of natural strength. You had Carmelo Anthony, uh, a lot of natural strength. And then you have other guys that work their way up to have that type of strength, like a Dwight Howard, who who was extremely, extremely uh, strong. Another person that I've heard is very strong uh, is Kawhi Leonard. So maybe there are different ways you can train a body to in order to get them to be very, very strong. Um, but also kind of keep their body slender. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But to me, it was a bit surprising. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. As you guys know, at least for the people that have been following this channel from quite some time, I am fascinated about the business aspect of sports media. I'm I'm fascinated about uh, with it. Uh, One of the reasons is because you want to view me as an outsider because I'm coming in. We're coming in as independent uh, creators here, coming into the business. So a lot of the information that people are privy to at working at these different companies, you know, people like us actually have to go through the, you know, go through the grind and actually research a lot of this information. So I enjoy it uh, tremendously, and obviously it has a significant impact on what we're doing, uh, what we're doing here. Now, yesterday. We produced a show around ESPN, and I said to you guys in that show that listen, the sports media landscape is is, is changing rapidly, rapidly. The way things used to be before is not how they're going to be going into the future. I said this, and I gave numerous examples. As a matter of fact, one of the examples I gave you was with the Sports Center. Essentially, you know, Sports Center, Sports Center is a highlight show, but given the advent of social media, the internet. These streaming platforms youtube the fact that now these companies you know these creators or these other um media platforms can go out there and immediately produce highlights the need to go sit down and watch SportsCenter center is slowly diminishing right and it hurts shows like this it hurts their bottom line right so the landscape is changing of course you have those that are in the independent sector creating content they're also Getting some viewers, maybe eating into the market share of some of these bigger companies. So things are changing uh, rapidly. So this morning I came across an article from a website that I'm really, really starting to enjoy to read a lot of um, information from, which is called Front Office Sports, right? They have some fantastic uh, pieces here. So I was reading through one, and this particular article centered on New- the New York Times disbanding its sports department. I was like, whoa, let me talk about this one here today. New York Times disbands sports Department. Listen to this. No layoffs are expected as journalists will move to the other department at Times instead. Continues on. The New York Times is disbanding its sports department, a team of more than 35 journalists and editors. For both online and print, the paper will instead rely on sports coverage from The Athletic, which the New York Times bought for $550. Million bucks in January of 2020. The decision from the Times marks an evolution in how we cover sports. Executive editor Joe Kahn and deputy managing editor Monica Drake wrote in an email Monday to staffers. Members of the New York Times Guild said in a statement late Monday afternoon, they will fight this flagrant attempt at union busting with every tool we have. Times leadership is att- is attempting to outsource union jobs on our sports desk to a non-union Times subsidiary under the preposterous argument that the Times can subcontract its sports coverage to itself. The statement NYT Guild members read, management gave the Guild virtually no notice of this change. Many members learned of the company's decision in a Times newsletter alert that popped up, in, uh, that popped up on our phones minutes into a meeting called to inform staff, uh, sports staff of our department's dissolution. No layoffs are planned for the Times as employees from its sports department will instead move to the other department at the company. We plan to focus even more directly on distinctive high-impact news and enterprise journalism about how sports interacts with money, power, culture, politics, and society at large, the editor wrote in an internal email. At the same time, we will scale back to the newsroom's coverage of games, players, teams, and leagues. The Athletic laid off about 20 journalists last month to reorganize its newsroom. The Athletic is not unionized, but a union represents the Times newsroom. The New York Times publisher, AG um, Solzberger, but got your name right, and CEO Meredith Copit uh, said Monday that since its acquisition 18 months ago, the Athletic had meaningful growth in terms of audience revenue, number of subscribers with paid And the article um, basically continues on to say, we intend to utilize The Athletic, which has among the largest sports newsrooms in the world, to provide Times readers with a greater abundance of sports coverage than ever before. And it continues on uh, to say that. Did, Did you hear what this article just said? Did you hear what this article just said? That they're now downsizing a department that I'm assuming must have existed For at least five years plus, and they're now going to be basically sending these guys over or basically now passing off that passing off that work to the athletic. Now, I'm sure many of you guys who follow sports um, know very well who the athletic is. Great website. They have great, um, great content over there. So why are we producing this? How does this relate to sports media? Let me give you guys another example. ESPN just had about roughly 20 layoffs. Correct? Fantastic. And one of the reasons that they said they were doing this because of cord cutting. Now I don't know what the aggregate number, uh, the aggregate number is in terms of the salaries per annum. I don't know what it is, but Pat McAfee just got offered a major deal, well above twenty million dollars, if I'm not mistaken, a year. So then the the the, the question, the, the question that one has to ask is, if you guys are cutting costs, how are you able to hire someone like Pat McAfee? I don't I don't quite understand it. But the answer then becomes quick, very uh, fairly simple once you think about it a, l- a little bit more. Pat McAfee is essentially bringing us a portion, at least of his viewers to ESPN and ESPN is then going to sell ads against those viewership numbers. And I assume, I assume that the revenue ESPN will generate from the Pat McAfee show will be greater than the total revenue of some of those people that they let go Of the total revenue that some of those people that they brought, that they brought the, 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 some of those people that were bringing to the the network that they let go of. That's what I think. That's exactly what I think. Essentially what they're doing is, they're licensing his show. He didn't sell his show. He's licensing it it to, to ESPN about four years or so. That's essentially what's happening. So basically what they're doing is, they took the people that they had there, let them go, and then brought in somebody else. A contractor in a way to come and fill that to come and fill that void which is essentially what the new york times is doing we're going to close this division down because these guys are doing it uh, they're doing something right if you listen carefully the athletic was acquired which means that at one point they were independent and they bought them for half a billion dollars listen to the number carefully half a billion dollars obviously because of their revenue revenue model their 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 traffic and all of that stuff that they were getting to me i think you're going to be seeing a lot more of this taking place moving forward you're going to see a lot more of this taking place uh moving forward if you go out there and look at the number of people now creating content independently that are being sponsored by various sports books other companies It's a startling amount. And if you date back five years ago, none of that existed. None of it existed. Now everybody needs a podcast. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.